Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 90 of the Fabulously Keto podcast and today I'm interviewing Pam Devine and Pam is the other half both in life and work of Doug Reynolds and we interviewed Doug last year in episode 46 and Pam and Doug after they changed their way of life they then decided to do more as many of us do And so what they did was they started an event called Low Carb USA and it was an offline event that happened and people went to the conference. Um, Although they always had an online presence, this has now increased with, you know, what's been going on over the last couple of years, which makes it great for those of us that can't actually physically go to San Diego for whatever reason that may be. So, Um, Just before we start the podcast, I will mention that if you want to purchase a ticket for Low Carb San Diego, just go to lowcarbusa.org and if you and you can buy the online version. So obviously the online version, you're seeing everything online, but you can you can buy that one. And if you want to then um, upgrade if you need to. But if you use the um, discount code fabulously keto. So that's all one word, fabulously keto, um, with a capital F and a capital K, you'll get a 20% discount. So just enter that where it says discount code or promo code and you'll get the discount. So this is quite a long episode. So let me tell you a bit about Pam. When Pam Divine turned 47, she was super excited that she'd found something that helped her to lose weight and that she'd put on since turning 40. Up until that point, no matter what she did, she couldn't lose it. Pam felt she worked out more than many of the people she encountered during her workday and was getting super frustrated with her failure to keep her weight under control. Once she and her partner Doug Reynolds found keto and changed their way of eating, the weight dropped away and she found a peace of mind, feeling totally satiated and more focused than she ever had before. Best yet, the ups and downs of the blood sugar roller coaster had calmed and or have calmed and she feels like she's found food freedom, lowering her growing anxiety of not knowing what to eat for health. Now with Doug, Pam hosts the Low Carb USA events that bring together medical professionals and experts in the low carb keto carnival world to share their knowledge and the latest research with other health professionals and non-healthcare people. They are working towards halting the catastrophic rise in obesity, 
type 2 diabetes and other chronic diseases that we've seen since 1977. Pam is also one of the key founding members and volunteers of the Society of Metabolic Health Practitioners. Welcome, Pam, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Jackie, and thanks, everybody, for joining us to listen to what I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we were saying offline that we often feel like, why would people want to listen to us? But they do. So we, yeah, um, and and we get to talk to really cool people when we're interviewing people and being interviewed. So I think that's wonderful. So we always start with where in the world are you? So I am Doug Reynolds and I, um, local of USA. We're in San Diego, California, in the U.S. Southern California, close to the Mexico border. Well, we're more northern San Diego, but yeah, lovely, California. wonderful. So yeah, I said to Doug that we'd. Uh, and Dr. Brian Lenski's that I spent a few days in San Diego, which I absolutely loved. So it was great. Long time we ago. Hope you, we hope you can come back again soon. <laughs> yeah, they might not let me in. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with um, what led you to low carb? I know some of your story crosses with Doug and for the listeners that haven't heard our interview with that might be new to us, Doug, we interviewed Doug about a year ago. So if you want to go back and listen to that one, but so I know some of your story will overlap because you were together before you've came across low carb, but tell it from your side. Let's hear your side of it. Yeah. It's funny because we do have, you know, we do have a little bit of different uh, view on, and I tell a little bit of a different story and he often tells it the same way and from his viewpoint. And so, yeah. Um, we do see it a little bit differently. We started, um, it's hard to believe it's been seven years. We're probably going into our eighth year this summer. Um, it's, we're recording in May. I think you said you were going to post this in June. Um, July will be, um, seven years going into our eighth. So, um, 2015, um, we were introduced, I got an email um, that said something about ketones versus glucose for fuel. And he was like, what, who, what, what is this? I've never heard of anything like this. And um, him being a runner, he started looking at it from an athletic performance, um, you know, a fuel. When you think of fuel source, you think of a performance or um, ath- athletics. And we had been doing a lot of athletic over uh, over the years. So he tells a story about how he's been a runner for so many years. He's um learned in the army he learned that if he ran he could get out of some of his army service on the weekends and go and run. So he started getting interested in running and started running the big long marathon in South Africa. Um, he's joke, I joke that he runs marathons for training runs for this <laughs> long marathon. Um, he hasn't done them now for the last 10 years or so, but so, but we were really involved in our local running community, big running club, volunteering and running and training, um, and promoting healthy, what we thought were healthy, um, supplements kind of you know vitamin supplements um energy drinks um we and we used to bring the sugary drink people will say sugary pink sugar water we've talked to people after um who were even low carb at the time and we didn't realize and they're like we i remember when you used to bring that pink sugar water <laughs> but it was 
carb loading, you know, for running. Um, the conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom. I remember talking to someone who must have already been a little bit low carb because she said, do you have water or does this have sugar in it? And I said, yeah, you need sugar to build muscles and to feel. And she rolled her eyes at me and I thought, that was weird. <laughs> I didn't understand like that alternate thinking, right? Um, so we've been doing, and we've been doing health, um, expos at, um, corporate offices. Um, during our lunch break, there was a community, um, organization that we belonged to that we would set up a table and we would talk about healthy lifestyles and we would talk about, um, exercise and sleep and, you know, all the kind of things that we talk about now, but we were still talking about healthy carbs and, People were still, you know, you could see that there was frustration in people. Like they weren't really sure these things weren't being effective for them often. And, you know, over the years we saw that. And both Doug and I, um, right before we started, were working in a very stressful um, sort of a corporate job. It was a startup. We were commuting long hours in the car. We were working in an office and sitting at a desk all day. And we were slowly putting on weight and we were very active in our running community we were running two or three times a week at least not doing the marathon distances but training um to get up to it and then we were talking offline a little bit jackie we were doing three two or three days worth of martial arts Hmm. at that time um usually uh two classes in a row sometimes a 45 minute class um often we did two classes together back to back so 90 minutes and we were still putting on weight when we were doing all this activity yeah i would be in the office i'd want to get out and i was still i would walk at lunch i would walk to get lunch um and i was noticing my pants were getting tighter and i was like it's getting so frustrated i we had a little a couple of places that we could go from our office for lunch um and i always had in the back of my mind like eat healthy eat healthy you know get the um Go, there was one place that was a little more expensive, but they were cooking fresh. Everything they cooked, um, was lovely, like a salmon and soup and, um, all homemade in their kitchen and salads. And, but there was all the rice. So I was like, brown rice. I was going to get brown rice. I was going to get whole wheat. And the other place, the little deli, not super high quality food, but they made some of it themselves. And it was the same thing. Get the whole grain, get the salad. They always wanted to sneak a cookie into my bag and I'd always say please don't put the cookie in my bag and he'd still do it uh, sometimes he would forget or sometimes he would just think you need the cookie and I love to give people the cookie and he would still put it in there um, of course once you got it you've got to eat it haven't you yeah right <laughs> I often feel like I was a big sugar addict so you know talking about sugar and sweets and it was always so i I might have put it off and put it in my desk and said, I'm not going to eat this now, but I would always nibble on it later. And um, I want to go back to breakfast at that time. So I was all trying to eat real healthy um, breakfast. It was, um, you know, oatmeal. And I had gotten away from that terrible, already made processed oatmeal with all the sugar in it. I stopped doing that. But I did that, you know, in my... 20s and 30s when I was working long hours in the hospital or in the doctor's office and I'd mix it up and sometimes I'd even eat it quickly in the car and it was full of sugar or I'd eat it when I first got to the office and two or three hours later, even that I was starving. But even with eating, you know, more home, uh, homemade 
So I thought oatmeal, I had started trying to add some protein to it. I came out with, um, mostly in this form of nuts. Um, I don't think I ever put any protein powder in it, but I could have done that at one time. Yeah. Um, and then fruits, you know, like, um, raisins or cranberries occasionally, but I usually had it with a banana. I usually had it, um, if I was really hungry, I'd have a low fat yogurt with it. I'd had the, I used to buy one that was called, that said, um, no added sugar, but it still had the fruit, um, kind of combination mix. And it, so they were kind of leaning a little bit away from the sugar, but I was still getting in the form of the oatmeal turning into sugar and the banana and, and the um, raisins and the raisins. And then sometimes if I was in more of a hurry, I would just eat one of the bars and they were supposed to be like a protein bar, granola bar. And that would hopefully be a little less sugar, but I was still really low fat. So, um, you know, and coffee, and I was still having sugar in my coffee. And I we would go to Starbucks some times on the way, and that I ordered a skinny mocha. Well, skinny only meant that it didn't have fat, uh, and it still had a ton of sugar. Yeah. So two cut. hours later, when we got to the office, I would you know get to working, and two hours later, I was dying. I was hungry. I was getting a headache, and all I could think of in the back of my mind was eggs. Like I wanted hard-boiled eggs or an egg salad at the deli that was around the corner. So I would say, Dad, I'm going to run over there. He says, you just had breakfast, and it's going to be lunch. I said, I just have to have something, and it was the protein and the fat that I needed. Yeah. But I, you know, didn't, at the time, I wasn't realizing that I had been missing that in the first meal. So that was like my snack. And I would go and I'd get hard-boiled eggs, sometimes um, something like a, it was probably just the egg, maybe something like a, uh, sausage or something that's and quite then, good that your snack was quite high protein high and my fat, body was telling me that i needed it yeah the protein and the fat because a lot um, of people when they they get that sugar crash then they just go searching for more sugar more sugar that would happen yeah. in the afternoon yeah <laughs> but morning time my body was telling me you need protein and you need fat and then when lunch came around, there were people in our office like, let's just get pizza. We have people coming. We have a meeting. And I was like, not pizza, not pizza again, and not subs. It's too much bread. Like, I was already trying to get away from bread and pizza. So, like, so I would, I don't know if I was really smart enough to actually take the toppings off of the pizza and then eat my salad with it. Um, but I was usually trying to say, let's not get the pizza. But I usually lost that argument. <laughs> and, um. I'd say I never really liked thin crust pizza that much, but um, so then the afternoon crash would come and I'd be like coffee. And I used to put hot chocolate in my coffee because um, I got used to that flavor. So there was a lot of sugar and a lot of um, um, uh, I can't think of the name like corn syrup, so, um, solid, you know, that's yeah. to sweeten it. And um, then I would know the cookie was in my desk. And I try to go the healthy, sweet fat, but sweet treats. But afternoon, terrible for sweets for me. Um, I grew up in a household that, like, I had a friend come over. I can remember very vividly coming over. It was probably high school. And she said, you have a lot of junk food in your house. And I said, isn't everyone's house like this? Like, what do you mean? Is it different? Um, we grew up on cereals and um, pancakes and French toast. My mom always thought that was a fun treat. I had the um, Betty Crocker um, up easy bake oven. So we all baked a lot of brownies and cookies and they always had ice cream and cookies and, and 
donuts and danishes and all this stuff. And, you know, I would always sneak into the kitchen and get an extra one. Um, <laughs> I tell it a thing that I can't believe that we actually did this. And um, my mom will say I was just doing the best that I could. And I thought these were nice treats. And I don't want to blame my mom if she ever listens to this. Obviously, it's not. That was the way the food cycle was. This was advertising. This was, you know. Absolutely. Um, I used to go to the, we literally would go to the dentist and stop at the soda pop shop after they had the, the place that had little, uh, glass sodas in a case and you could pick whatever flavors you wanted. So we would get a case of them. So we were drinking a lot of sodas. Yeah. In my house. And, um, so I think, I, you know, by the time I'm talking before we started, I think I'm pretty sure I was getting away from the sodas and stuff. But um Doug, like, he, I would say, I'm going to lunch over to that deli. What do you want? He would say the same thing every day. Just get me a burger and chips and a Coke. That was his, that's what he wanted to eat. And I was like, you can't keep eating these very pretty low quality hamburgers on a white bun with potato chips and Coke. And then... Like all the time and then still be talking about wanting to eat healthy or supplementing or fitness and all that. And he says, well, you know, I'm going to burn it off. Kind of yeah. Outrun a bad diet. Can't outrun the bad diet. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> we know that now. We know that now. We know that now. I know I was going through the change at the time early 46. I started and I thought that was mostly that where my pants were getting tighter. I remember the Christmas before 2015, so 2014, I remember having to ask my family for Christmas. They're like, what do you want for Christmas? I'm like, can someone buy me those stretchy pants? Because <laughs> we're getting really tight and uncomfortable sitting in my chair. And so I was wearing stretchy pants every day and trying to figure out what was going wrong. So when Doug got that email, and it probably was three weeks into two, three weeks, I'd say, are you still researching the keto thing, a ketogenic diet. And he said, yes, it's fascinating. And I found this article and I found this other article. So it's probably Jeff Bullock and Steve Finney or some of the things he was first reading. He ordered the book, The Art and Science of Low-Carbohydrate Living. And then I think what led him to that was the one for athletic performance. It's the same title, Low-Carbohydrate for um, Athletic Performance or something like that. Yeah, sports, sports performance or something. Yeah. Yes. And he um, delved into that. And then he was mostly reading at the time. And so he said, uh, one day in that July 2015, Pam, we're going to the store and I've got a list. And I said, wait, hold up. First of all, you want to go to the grocery store with me? And second of all, you actually have you have a list? <laughs> I always have to laugh about this because there was like, I would have to pull him. Can you go to the grocery store and help me? You know, never wanted to go to the grocery store. And so this time, like, um, interesting. Okay. What's on the list? Cream, butter, bacon, meats, some vegetables, like green, you know, all the things that we know, green vegetables. Um, and we got there and it was really a big task. So seven years ago, it was a little bit harder to find the full fat things. I think people are even now, even knowing that there are more of us that are looking for this kind of stuff. Um, the hardest thing to find was the higher fat yogurt without yep. the fruit. It was impossible. It was all the way down on the bottom of this big wall of flavored fruits. And then one um, company was making a Greek yogurt that had full fat in it. 
yeah. didn't have fruit. It's still hard. It's still hard to find. So hard to find. Um, and it's, uh, um, I've even found a full fat, um, goat yogurt at our local, more of a health food store. It's a chain and it's getting bigger these days, but which has been lovely, but I'll still, I've kind of evolved over the time in lowering my fat a little bit. So we can get into that some more. Um, but yeah, we made the switch, um, with what we knew. And, um, I think we were probably doing back before and that probably spring and fall of when, you know, I was still trying to figure out healthy stuff. I think I saw someone talking about bulletproof coffee and I said, somebody's putting butter in their coffee. That's disgusting. I will never, ever, ever do that. <laughs> Guess what? Who started doing it <laughs> and realized if anybody's listening to this and, and they're new to this, um, butter is actually cream. You know, come to find out and it doesn't just sit on the top. You can actually blend it in, but I've just stirred it in and it was great. But, um, you know, I got into blender coffee with butter and a little bit of coconut oil, or, um, probably evolved into adding some collagen to that. So for skin and bones and connective tissues, um, hair and nails kind of stuff. Um, and th- we were making some mistakes. I think we were including some things that we didn't realize were carby. I was still, I had a really hard time actually giving up beans. I didn't have as much ha- hard time as bread. Like I was already kind of thinking bread was you know, more fattening, but beans were harder for me. Hummus. Which, oh yeah. Okay. Hummus like chickpeas. Um, I always like to put red, um, kidney beans in my salad. Yeah. Um, with a cottage cheese and then a, um, vinaigrette on top of it. Um, those two, um, whenever we went to Mexican food, I have more a harder time not eating the refried beans than I have with not eating the chips and the tortillas, yeah, which is fine. I'll just have, I'll just have a few of them every once and we don't go that often anymore. We don't go out to eat that much anymore. We'd much rather make our own stuff. So then we know all the Ex- ingredients. Yeah, exactly what's yeah. in it. I'm, I'm with exactly. you there. You don't have the oils and stuff. So, um, yeah, we, um, there was a Sunday. Doug used to, when his parents were still in South Africa, we used to call him on Sundays. And I remember he finally decided that he was going to tell his parents that we were doing this. It's probably in the October time frame, So we've been doing it for four or five months. And his mom said, that sounds like the Tim Noakes diet. And Doug went, wait, what? His ears lit up and uh, his eyes lit up and his ears were wide open. And he said, wait a second. My men- running mentor, my hero, is doing um, a low-carb diet. And she said, yeah, I think he calls it banting here in South Africa. And so while we were talking, we were Googling, he was Googling it on his computer. And he comes with, then he's like, come to find out Tim Noakes is doing this and has been talking about it for a number of years and led us down to an- another rabbit hole um, of finding the online conferences because he had done a, a low carb conference in South Africa. And I think he'd attended in Australia low carb down under. And then he started watching more of these educational videos and presentations with science, more of the science, more of the doctors talking about it being even more beneficial for other things than performance or weight loss. So that's mostly what we had heard about. Um, I think we were starting to learn, um, and hear a little bit more about the benefits, health benefits, neurological benefits, um, 
clearing the brain fog, being more alert, but also it helping with maybe uh, Alzheimer's patients and um, other neurological conditions like I think we ended up going to a conference with Jeff Fulix, or maybe he saw a presentation where he was talking about it being good for traumatic brain injury, head injury, um, and things like that. So as we learned, started learning that this had more applications than just weight loss and maybe as an alternate source of fuel for performance, we started really going, you know, scratching our heads and thinking about this a little bit more. Um, over those next few months, we were very similar to everybody else. When we started learning this, we started wanting to help more people. We started mm-hmm. looking at people, you know, and you just can't help but wanting to share what we've learned, right? Yeah. Um, the reason why you're doing the podcast, Jackie. Yeah. You, know, you, you want to hear other people tell other people's stories to help more people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he had a scene in South Africa. There was somebody that I think Prof was working with at the time, the Real, Real Mill Revolution, Donald Proudfoot. Um, was um, I don't know he we might have seen him in a video or some course or something, but he had um, he had some online content that we learned from, and we saw the list that kind of said green, orange, red that we've incorporated in some of our stuff now. But it was oh, I didn't realize that we shouldn't really be having that many beans. We had kind of gone down in the summertime eating a lot of watermelon. That's not really a low-sugar fruit. I think some of the ones you get might be lower sugar because they're not real ripe. So it didn't taste real sweet to us. Um, and, you know, some of the other fruits. I had, when I started trying to do healthier, I think I was eating more fruit. I'd kind of gone down this path of I should order fruit juice and frozen fruit things and you know not ice cream but you know fruit based things and not realizing that that was probably adding to my insulin resistance and adding to my fat storage and yep. learning how that actually works biochemically um realizing oh it's probably good. shouldn't have those things anymore yeah but doug had um applied he wanted to do the coaching training that they were just launching and he didn't get accepted he was devastated um devastated like and so much so that he really, really wanted to be a coach now. He realized that he really wanted to help more people and share information and learn more. And he was so devastated that I said, I think I might write to them and say, do you think there's any way that you could reconsider? Because you're not going to get a better coach. You're not going to get someone more passionate about helping people and um who really is interested in the reasons why this works. And he's learned so much over the last few months. Like, hours and hours and hours of learning already. We really committed to wanting to learn more. And I didn't hear back. Um, and one of the things I said in that, was probably this December timeframe, I remember saying, well, if you don't change your mind, we'll probably make something ourselves. And maybe we'll even invite the experts to come to San Diego to present and teach. I don't know. Somehow I put that out in the universe of, we had in our corporate in the job we were doing we did some seminars and we did one or two larger conferences maybe one larger conferences and mostly um every quarter every semester to uh half a year we probably did a 50 to 100 people seminar workshop weekend thing so we had learned how to plan these and a couple weeks two or three weeks later we were with our workmates and we were out after a meeting during the just our weekday smaller meetings with staff and a few of our local um 
it was life insurance based. So agents were with us training and we went out. It was his birthday. He says it was my birthday and everybody left and I, I was been trying to help our workmates and nobody was really listening to us and couldn't understand why they weren't interested, but we knew that other people were. And he says, you know, maybe we should do a conference. Maybe we should get a thousand people in the room. He says, he says, I was counting my fists and I was saying, we need a thousand people in the room. We need to teach more people. Um, cause I didn't know this. I didn't know what a ketone was and. How come I didn't know there must be more people like me? And yeah. just next day he woke up and he tells the story. He says, I just started writing to people that he had heard from and learned from online. And they started saying they would come. If we planned it. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I woke up. I remember I woke up and he says, well, I invited 10 people and they all said they'd come. And I'm like, how long have you been working on this? It's not that late. <laughs> Um, he says, I woke up and I started writing to people and they all wrote back and said they, they would come. And I, was, and I was like, okay. And he was so surprised. Both of us were surprised. So he says, start calling um, hotels. And I'm like, right now? <laughs> Are we going to think about this a little? Because making that commitment to a hotel, is, I started calling and finding out the tens of thousands of dollars and hundreds of thousands of dollars that some of them charged. I was like, what is this? thing that we've just gotten ourselves interested in doing <laughs> but now that's so that that i think if i remember rightly that was 2016 Our first one was planned for the summer of 2016 we started planning it in january we didn't have a website we started planning how you know get the website he'd already probably started writing a course so behind the scenes he was writing the course that he wanted to be coach he wanted to teach that was kind of originally what we thought let's do the course but at the same time we started planning the conference and we really just went that direction and yeah july 2016 was our first conference and so the one this year we're coming up yeah six and years. it's our 17th conference i think in that time frame i don't know how they've added up so quickly um usually we did so we thought we would do one in san diego and then everybody who came was so excited um we got letters beforehand and we couldn't believe how much this was going to mean to some people. Like they'd been learning the same as Doug had, or we had um, over the years from people. And they say, I can't believe that Gary Taub was coming to town and I'm going to have a chance to meet him. He's my hero. He changed my life and he probably saved my life. And it's like, wow. Um, you couldn't believe that there was a lady she wrote and she says, no, I can't believe that you're right down the street from my work office, literally like a block. And I can't believe that you're planning to have these people come to town. It literally changed my son's life. Um, he had a rare glycogen storage disease, it's called nicardals. And there's a few different forms. So his muscles can't store um, glucose or glycogen to use as fuel. So he would literally wake up in the morning and he couldn't get out of bed easily. And there's something, I don't know if it's, I don't know how the body actually started, started processing fuel, but it would, it would just take him time. And there was something called second wind. So his body would start, he couldn't really move very quickly. And then it would take some time to kindly get the muscles in his, you know, abdomen and back to be able to sit up and then be able to stand up to get his muscles to be able to activate fuel, the fuel, fuel source and use it to get to the bathroom and go get breakfast. And 
his life was very limited. He was, you know, um, struggling, being homebound, struggling, getting to school, and certainly wasn't able to do activities or anything. I don't think he was homeschooled. He no. could actually go to school. But he was a teenager when they learned this. And having ketones is an alternate source of fuel. So he's now able to turn off that switch. And we've probably talked, you've probably talked to people about it, kind of taught the audience, and we'll have new people learning. As you can switch your body, like we're talking about, from being a glucose burner to being a fat burner. Yeah. And so he has that alternate source of fuel, um, where he could, he actually went over to the UK with somebody, a uh, coach, a uh, mentor that he had met and tracked across the UK at some point, you know, just between high school and college, I think. And Fantastic. just to hear that story, they introduced us to four or five people that they'd known in their group. It's a similar thing worldwide where this isn't an accepted standard of care. It's an alternative standard of care. I hate that word, but um, it's not the widely accepted standard of care. So they have Facebook groups and they talk about it and they try to help others and teach others like the type one um, diabetes community is trying to do. And it's not widely well accepted. There'll be people who were getting offended and angry and upset and saying this isn't good for my child or me I don't want to do that and shouldn't be talking about it and so they were sharing those frustrations with us five of the people came one of them had a uh, daughter she was a doc uh, she was a Italian who lived in Sweden and had a daughter she came to the conference traveled from Sweden um, there's a doctor in Canada who had it who traveled down and attended the conference another man I think from Texas and um they, we asked them and let them present of it. And I remember thinking, they're on the stage, and there's all these doctors and researchers in the audience, and I'm thinking, I wonder how if anybody can help this message grow or, you know, te- the teaching. And I was looking and saying, Jeff Bullock's in the audience listening to this, and maybe he could do research and a few other people. And I didn't realize Eric Westman um, does a lot of research himself. I've you know, learned so much over the years about his efforts and so much research and papers that he's written been involved with. Mm. He partnered up with a, um, I think she's a dietitian. I don't think she's a nutritionist. I think she's a registered dietitian from Scotland in the UK, Emily McGuire. And they actually wrote a case study and they took three or four of those people. And within six months, eight months, I think they had a, a case study, case series written with three or four of those people in that group. And it was published and it was something that other, that other medical practitioners could look at and see and find and they could use and take it to put in these groups. So it could give more confidence and validity to this as a, as a treatment option for people suffering with this disease. So and I couldn't believe that that happened. Things like that happen all the time where in bring people together in these conferences and they put together um, a group effort or a collaboration will come out of it or something like say Jackie met um her your partner and started a podcast. People have done that. People have you know exactly. done research or formed um some kind of organization or just friendship. Last year somebody volunteered and she says, I met my friend Holly um at your conference in 2019 and we've become fast friends. She says, I've gone up and visited her in the Bay Area. She's come down here to LA for one reason or another and we've met, we've stayed together. We roomed the next year at the conference together. 
So it must have been 2018. Um, and she says, and I want to volunteer and Holly's coming to again, 2020 when we got to go back live again. So people, you know, they make friends, <laughs> they make collaborations and do some important work. It's pretty crazy. I couldn't. Yeah. And, and you've probably got lots of friends that you've so made over the years friends. that maybe you would never have come across before. And, we were talking just before we came online about Joanne McManamy. She's in Florida and I'm here in the UK. We met online on a Zoom call and I interviewed her on the podcast. So we've she's came over. We went out um, up to Cambridge to see another podcast host. Yesterday we met up and went for lunch. And all these friendships that you have that you just would never have come across these people no, before. Worldwide. It's astounding. Um, we, the community, this community has some of the nicest people you will ever meet. And Dr. Romanini is one of my favorite people. Shout out to Joanne. Um, I've been, we, I think we also started out online. Um, and then I saw her sign up for the conference and I was excited. I forget if, um, San Diego was her first one. Um, even though we have a Florida event, she came to San Diego and I can't remember if she had come to the Florida one first, but she was at the last Florida one and she was at the last San Diego one where we actually had a chance to talk. And just so nice to meet people in person that we've only ever been online with before. And come to find out she was the dean of the community college that I had attended in my twenties. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> She's in Florida, but we both oh, yeah, had a background in New England and Massachusetts where my mom's from. And she was literally the dean of my college. And she said, did you know? So you must have had Dale, some, you know, I forget his last name as a teacher. And I said, I did. I hadn't completely forgotten about him. <laughs> yeah, she told me about that yesterday that, that you'd, you'd, we were in the same college. Yeah. So it's, the world is so small now. It really is. I remember the first uh, 2016 conference. We had a couple when people signed up, and we were like, "Some," I said, "Somebody's coming from Malaysia, and somebody signed up to come from India." And we've always had people come from Australia and a few from the UK. And every time that happens, we say, "People are coming from really far away to attend," and we would never have a chance to meet these people. One of them, uh, so Malaysia, she's a doctor and she brought her son. She was supposed to bring her husband and he had trouble with um, immigrant, not immigration, but he couldn't get out of the airport um, passport or something. So it was just the two of them. And we ended up trying to we're still, I don't think he's ever still been able to actually come out maybe once, maybe he did actually come. Um, that conference, somebody came from the Czech Republic. And the next year when she came back, she told us the story. I think she wrote to us and she said, you guys, I just have to tell you. Came in 2016 and I went home and I was energized and I was inspired to continue to teach and try to reach more people in my country. And then she says, I started a Facebook group, a uh, Facebook community group, and it started to grow. And in the last 12 months, now, right before I'm coming back to 2017 conference, I have 10,000 people in my group. Wow. And I just want to tell you, it's 10,000, one for every 10, one for every mile that I traveled to San Diego for the conference. It was 10,000 miles from the city in Czech that she traveled to San Diego for. And I was like, whoa. That's amazing, that isn't it? It meant so much to us. And we just hear stories like that also over and over. There's, um, there's a 
couple of gals told this story a couple of times because these three stand out, but it happens all the time at other conferences. Um, at tw- 2019 or 18 in Florida, we met, um, a gal. She's in the Bay Area, nutritionist and coach. And her partner from, uh, live in New York. They, they go by Gabby and Lolly on social media. And at the time they, I think they'd also met online and decided to meet at the conference in West Palm Beach. Um, Gabby, um, nutritionist in the Bay Area. Lolly, uh, also a bit of a athletic performance running, um, uh, background. So that was her interest. And they decided to meet at the conference in West Palm Beach. And after the conference, they thought, we need to do more to reach people in Spanish in our communities that are both originally from Venezuela. Um, and they made a real big effort to go onto Instagram and do Instagram lives and do a lot of posts on Instagram. And they came bopping in a year later when we moved over to Boca Raton. And we were excited to see them. And they had kept in touch with Keto Mojo Group. We were sitting at the table. and. It took them a little bit of time, and get, and I think Gemma from Kitamoza, she said, you have to tell Pam and Doug what you just told me. They had grown 30,000 members on their Instagram page in like 12 months that they since they'd been to the West Palm Beach thing, and all in Spanish, kept it really simple of, you know, what do you eat instead of this? How to swap this instead of that? They didn't real go into the deep biochemistry kind of stuff. It was a real practical how and why should you do this? Um, mm. uh, are you having trouble with TCOS? Are you having trouble with your weight? Are you tired? Are you, you have headaches? Are you, do you feel sick? Do you have diabetes? You know, all these kind of things that they would kind of address daily and then say, okay, so we're a real carb based, um, you know, being a, a Latin American, South American country, um, beans and rice and tortillas and meat and potatoes. So let's, what do you, what do you have instead of those things and swap it out for and how to spice up a cauliflower rice to say similar and how do you, um, make a low carb tortilla and just real fun, uh, lifestyle advice like that. Yeah. And I think these, when you get into the cult, the different cultures that people have, when you can address the need for that specific culture, then that's amazing because not everybody eats the same. We don't all eat the same. We all have different types of food that we prefer. And so I think when you can really address that need that people have to replace the foods that they would culturally eat, mm. I think, you know, that's always going to be a success. And I think, you know, it makes people still feel close to their family and their culture and their home. And it doesn't have to be, you know, if you're going to celebrate a birthday with your family or a holiday with your family and friends, and you still kind of want to keep the culturally similar traditions, traditional foods, just alternate them with some different ingredients. Or, you know, there's a lot of people who kind of try to teach that mindset of it doesn't always have to be the same. Change isn't bad, but, um, and it's not, and, and it doesn't have to be, but you can still, kind of adjust the ingredients in that traditional food and have it be very similar. Um, yeah. Like uh, we have our, you know, starting our summers up here in the Northern Hemisphere. And, you know, one of the big thing is potato salad to go with your barbecue, um, you know, that you're going to have to start the summer. And so a lot of recipes out there will be how to adjust the, maybe use cauliflower and, and the mayonnaise and the salt and peppers and spices to make it taste similar. 
Yeah. Um, I haven't tried that one yet. I was thinking about no. it. The other day. And I was, <laughs> as you were saying that, I was thinking about, um, we interviewed um, a lady called Christine and she does black people keto. Mm-hmm. And she was saying how um, for her, it was really important to have foods that her family ate. And she learned that by she could replace the potatoes in dishes, um, cooked stews and things with avocado. So I was thinking that, you know, when you talk about potato salad, you know, maybe you could replace that with avocado and have a an avocado salad, something like yeah. that. Yeah, a as similar was, texture. As I was um, saying, and you, when you said Christine, I thought maybe you were saying Christy, and it reminded me of Christy Sullivan. She does Simply Keto with Christy. Um, talk about somebody who has huge following. She's now written many cookbooks. She's in the south of the U.S., so they you know, Southern cooking, Southern home cooking is a whole thing. Um, and it's very cultural and it's very, you know, everybody's very familiar and traditional about it. So one of the things that she, um, we have some, when you sign up for our newsletter, I think we still have her recipes. And one of them is in a stew, uh, a beef stew that she uses beets, uh, not beets, um, radishes and mm. as a replacement for potatoes. And I always thought that was weird. I was like, how could that even possibly work? But you can't tell their radishes then, really. They might have a little tiny bit different, but like, I always associate radishes in a salad where they're a tiny bit bitter. They yeah, kind of lose that bitterness when you, you know, slow cook them in the sauce with the beef. Um, I've seen people roast them like you would do, like, uh, cut them and do roasted potatoes. I, I think I've tried it before as well. Roasted beets. I mean, yep. same beets, radishes. Yeah. Um, and there's a lower carb, another root vegetable that lower carb. It's not, is it turnips? Turnips. And yeah. Turnips are a little lower than a potato or a, they're quite a lot lower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So some people will do those. Um, yeah. And I know people that make, um, turnip chips. Oh, yeah. As in French fries. So uh-huh. they'll, um, More fry of a them fry, in. Not a, not a fry chip, them. like a thin round, but a, yeah, not like your potato chips, which are our crisps, but yes. your um, French fries. Um, people cut them into the French fry shape and then yeah. fry them over and deep fry oh, them yeah. in some tallow or lard. And that works well. That would be fun to try. Um, at our events, we've been able to teach our the chef at the hotel how to cook a low-carb dinner for us. And um, gosh, he's going to be on his fifth one here in San Diego. And the last few have been very similar, uh, menu, last two anyway, the same. And also in Florida, we switched hotels and taught the, both chefs at both hotels, um, go over what we don't want as ingredients, what we, what's good, what kind of fats. And they've been doing kohlrabi, which is a root vegetable, um, kohlrabi fries. So I yeah. think it's a bit of a form of a yam type, turnipy type thing. And they've done them really nice. Robbie, I don't know. I might have seen it in the store. Um, and then when we were traveling in Australia, we were able to go and visit Gary and Belinda Fecky in Tasmania two years in a row. Um, one, the last time we um, helped do a con- put on a conference in Indonesia, in Jakarta, and we all went, the Fetkis went, Georgia Eid and Eric Westman went and spoke to a big community there. They were trying to teach more doctors. 
And then we went to, we got that beautiful opportunity to go back to Tasmania again. And we were at the farmer's market with Gary and he came across the stall that was selling and it actually said a low carb vegetable celeriac root, celery root, celeriac. Yeah, celeriac. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he was so excited. We took a picture. His grin was about this big. He's like, people are talking about low carb at the farmer's market. <laughs> and it's Excellent. so much because of his influence. Um, yeah. Being there in Tasmania. Yeah. So I saw that on a menu one time, and in fact, but it was a seasonal thing. It was online, and then when I got to the restaurant, they had changed. It wasn't that season, and they were having something else. I was like, darn, I wanted to try the celery root puree that was online yeah. the previous. So you've got the conference coming up again in August. The um, end of August. In San, San Diego. So tell us a bit about who you've got coming, because I know you've got a whole cast of people coming, and how can people get involved because they don't have to go in person do they no we've been um we had always done an online aspect but we never really pushed the advertising of it and um people weren't really used to you know wanting or being able to do that until the stay at home um during this pandemic so um in 2020 when we couldn't have live conferences we did entirely virtual um conference at the August time frame. We were in July at that time, a month earlier. And like 800 people came. It was fantastic. And we all felt like we could get connected like this. And we've been all in our home and um, people realized that they could do it that way. So when we could go back to in-person conferences, um, both of the last two in-persons were right in the middle of a spike of whatever different variant it was. And so not everyone was um comfortable traveling or couldn't travel or you know couldn't come from the UK i think one person came in florida phil thompson he's come he's been involved in the active in our community page um but we just had people sign up again last last week and end of the last month special for um to come from canada we've always had many canadians and couldn't comfortably leave Canada the last one and not without them knowing that they could get back home easily yeah. after quarantine. We've always had Australians, so hopefully people from Australia will be able to travel again and our UK friends. But all over the world we've got some people again. The Malaysian doctor, she's supposed to speak in a breakout or do a um poster presentation. We've got somebody who's come from India a couple of times and he's been wanting to come back so hopefully he'll be coming. But um we're hoping and praying nothing changes for in-person conferences, but everybody will have the opportunity to watch it online. Um, and all the recordings are also available for either sign up. So you don't necessarily have to watch every single one live at that time because you're in the UK and there's a time difference. You don't have to stay up all night and, um, watch them live, but it's fun if you, you know, whoever can join live because we try to keep up with, um, I actually monitor chats sessions the chat sessions that are going on during the talk and during the q a mm. and when doug lets me um call out the questions that are online live to the speaker from my chair with reading it off the computer and they can hear the presenter answer their question if you get the chance um doug likes to give priority to the people who are there to ask, get their questions answered first but we've been able to get in a lot of online questions over the last few and that's fun and valuable for everybody we 
people get to know each other there. We can encourage people to get onto the our Facebook community, connect there as well. Um, like you have a Facebook group, and people get to meet there, and then sometimes they get to meet in person later. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. So, um, let's see. We've got uh, I mentioned Gary Taubes. He spoke at every single one of the San Diego ones. It's the seventh annual. Yeah, um, Gary Taubes will be returning. Um, it's hard to say here. We're in um, end of May. Um, the title and topics of everybody's talks, but normally we kind of know what they'll be talking about. A jug when he gets into early to mid summer, he'll start getting the um, abstract and the um, what does he call the outline of the talk, and he'll get the title and get it on the schedule. But currently, I don't think he's got anything on the schedule yet with anybody's specific talks. But Gary usually talks about um, from the practitioner side historically nutritional recommendations where things have gone and influenced what the dietary um, guidelines recommendations are, what standard of care and medical practitioner guidelines have been and why. And his last book, The uh, Case for Keto, Case for was keto. mostly um, from the practitioner's viewpoint and educating practitioners to be able to make, uh, be comfortable with and learn how to make changes that might be more beneficial to their patients. Like, Dr. Unwin, our favorite UK doctor, who, um, you know, talks about how he had to learn from a patient who came in and said, I didn't follow your advice on eating all this carbs and healthy carbs or whole grain carbs or anything and covering my um, blood sugar with medication to lower it. So um, we want to, our conferences, focus them where medical professionals can get continuing medical education credits or continuing professional development credits. So we want to encourage as many healthcare professionals to come as possible, especially if they're new to the conversation. Um, we've got many who return who are very versed in the conversation, and then people can learn from each other. But they're geared so that they can also be comprehend, com, uh, easily comprehended by a layperson or you know regular people. Yeah. Um, I've been I have some medical background, so I can um, revert back to some of my education. But I'm not practicing, and I was never in patient care. I was in um, Diagnostic imaging. So I learned a lot about practicing what body, how it handles and processes tools and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But that wasn't my main thing. So, um, you mentioned Brian Lenskis, who's here in San Diego with us. Yeah. He's speaking oh, he's again. Lovely. And he's so great. He tells a story about how he had struggled himself. He had a real, you know, always struggled with his weight and he was getting frustrated like all the, so many of the professionals would say like Dr. Unwin tells the story he was wanting to Dr. Unwin was saying you know I want to change jobs and just not getting satisfaction and not helping people like I wanted to and um Brian yeah, he he was going to retire he, he was, was going to retire and now he's like I'm going to keep doing this because I'm making such a difference and it's so inspiring to him and brings out that passion again so much you know him um they're able to just get so much more satisfaction and uh do the things they wanted to do like helping people and treat yeah. patients. so brian um he talked he's talked about a few different things one of the great couple of great talks he's talked about um getting people off medications and how to teach practitioners to de-prescribe medications so instead of that prescription cascade of one, putting one on one and then needing another one, needing another one, how, um, how to get people off. And so going again across that broad thing about how cutting back on carbohydrates, um, and teaching your body how to use a different source of fuel often leads to 
your blood pressure getting better. Obviously, we've been talking about your blood sugar getting better. But blood pressure um, going normalizing, blood sugar normalizing. Um, you're not people don't need as much pain medicine because their arthritis is getting better. Their inflammation is coming down. Headaches are getting better a lot of times. All different kinds of um, medications that um, or GI tract and all different things that they can get people off of them. He has a great presentation about that. I know he's been talking a lot more about the gut microbiome. Um, he might talk about that. Um, I know that's one of the ones he's been talking about. He did it for the Society of Metabolic Health Practitioners Grand Rounds. Um, Robert Sivas will be returning, also mm-hmm. South African, that we met through the Noakes Foundation. Um, we got really close with them over the years since we learned about Prof Noakes. Doug was able to reach out and actually um, connect with him and his team and travel to South Africa and met him in person. It's fantastic. Like, dream come true for him and me. Yeah. We were like, we're sitting in the same room with Tim Noakes. <laughs> and met his team in the Noakes Foundation, and then they became our global training and education um, partners with the online courses. We didn't have to develop all of them together um, ourselves, but we do it you know, together. And we met Rob Sivas who there, who's presented, Brian Lasker's is presented there. Um, but Rob talks a lot about um, carbohydrate addiction. Um, some of the things we were talking about, how many people might not just be able to just give it up. Yeah, um, he, we did a we did an episode with Rob on that, and we actually wanted to cover so many things, but we didn't have time. We ran out of so many things to talk about. He can so. talk about anything and everything related. And um, if anybody wants to go back and listen to your podcast, and you'll get nuggets. If you want to go yeah. to lowcarbusa.org and um, toggle through the menu where it says uh, videos and free videos, Diabetes Understood series with Dr. Stivas is phenomenal. Doug said, Rob, we were at dinner one night. He had been in San Diego and he said, Rob, we've got to get this down. Like you have so much wisdom and you know, you can't fit into a podcast in 60 minutes. Like you were saying in 90 minutes, it would go on for three hours and you still wouldn't ever cover anything that, you know, all all the stuff that he could talk about. So he said, when you get home, Rob, Doug said, send me um, an email with some topics that you want to cover and then we'll get online and we'll start recording these. And he sent him an email with 13 topics <laughs> <laughs> and then it turned into 17 at one point. So there's about 17, a series of 17 and they're all about 60 to 90 minutes, maybe even two hours. And it goes through how to start a low-carb diet and why. What is insulin resistance? And then really covering carbohydrate addiction and how to use um, use emo- emotional buoyancy, um, uh, substituting what you might have usually done when you ate junk food or um, processed foods or sugary foods to going for a walk or playing with your dog or ha- doing a hobby, not playing sports for to, to win, but doing sports for the gratification and self-gratification and um, a little bit more self-love than a lot of us learned how to do. And it's such an amazing message. But he goes through biochemistry. Um, he goes through type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes. What if you fall off the wagon and you need to start over again? Again, self-love and self-care and don't beat yourself yeah. up. And goes this whole, so much more. Um Yeah. So we'll see what he wants to talk about this year. He's covered a wide array. Um, if anybody ever wanted to join our membership, Low Carb USA, we have a membership and you can go back and watch 
all of the talks um, are all available. Um, those ones are free. The membership is a fairly low cost for the amount of 17 conferences that you get or 16. I don't think we have probably 15. I don't think we have uh, the Indonesia or this one day Virginia that we did. Um, so yeah, he talks about kids and health, uh, mental health, ADHD, ADD. That's also on the free videos and in a real good presentation. Um, so let's see. There's lots. So much. Um, Dr. Steve Finney's returning again. He's a legend and talking about research and ketogenic diet, um, that he's been working on for decades. Um, like we were talking about the book that he's written, Jeff Folick and, um, I think one of the things that I forgot to mention when I learned, when we were learning and as we were starting to do low carb for ourselves, um, there was a movie made and I don't know if it's available anymore. Um, if anybody ever finds Serial Killers, the movie, have you yeah. ever seen that? Serial Killers. I haven't. C-E-R-E-L-L. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it. We had found it somewhere. Doug actually wrote to Donald. Um, we've played it during our conferences. The first one was an introduction um, to Donald. Uh, what's his last name? I'll say Donald O'Neill. Um, athletics again um, and learning low carb. And he talked about shopping and buying eggs and cooking eggs and how he felt and then how he felt when he first started working out. Light workouts, not not nothing crazy, big and heavy workouts, but. Um, and then the second one was, um, was Sami Inkinen, who he went on to form Verda Health with. Um, Sami Inkinen was a world class elite triathlete who developed, started developing type 2 diabetes. It's really important for people to learn if they're, you know, carb loading and still, you know, really active and racing, they can still develop insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes from all that carb toxicity in our body not being able to keep up with how to process it. Yeah. So the whole movie was about that. Steve Finney was in it and, um, and it went through testing, um, Sami and then him and Sami and his wife rode across from San Francisco to Hawaii solo while they were, you know, two of them solo, but rowing, no motor, no power, no outside. And they brought all their food and it was all, um, protein and fat and no carbs. And how they did it was amazing. Um, they did absolutely phenomenal the time frame they did it in was amazing but um that just reminded me i wanted to mention that um steve, so steve finney will come and bring his wealth of knowledge and expertise again and um teach some incredible things um and learn himself which is always fascinating to me that because the next speaker who's on i'm on i'm on lowcarbusa.org at our san diego event page and we've got a list of all the speakers the next one who's yeah. next to him is a young lady, um, Andrea Salceda, who Rob introduced us to. She's a OBGYN and she has such an important teaching that I don't think a lot of us ladies learn. Um, last year she spoke about, um, irregular menstrual bleeding, heavy bleeding and fibroids and it really being tied to insulin resistance and how mm -hmm. and why and kind of tying those two things together, which we don't learn you know, irregular periods and stuff having anything to do with what we ate. Like I never knew that I could have changed my um, cycle by having eaten better or eaten less sugar or been less insulin resistant. Nobody ever talked to me about insulin resistance. They didn't know what that was, right? We no, didn't. They didn't know. I'm sure they didn't know. They didn't know. 
So um, she's mentioned, um, so those fibroids, um, she's men- people have asked about endometriosis and everybody, you know, we often learn about PCOS having an insulin resistance once we get into this community, but I don't think OBGYNs are also teaching PCOS and infertility and polycystic and all of the side effects that people get from estrogen dominance and PCOS can also be addressed with addressing insulin resistance and lowering sugar and carbohydrates and getting healthy fats and protein. So she may talk about that. She may talk about menopause, which a lot of us ladies want to hear a little bit more from an OBGYN about. But Steve Finney actually got up to the mic after her presentation last year and said, I've been waiting 30 years for a presentation like that. It was just goosebumps because, you know, what a compliment to her. She's a young lady. Um, OBGYN just learned started connecting the dots between insulin resistance and women's health and um, uh, obstetrics and fertility and just has very become very knowledgeable herself. And she didn't learn it in med school. She didn't learn. She just said, there's a study that says this, and there's something that doesn't make sense about this. And why are we only doing surgery to remove fibroids instead of what is the root cause? Like, why are women growing fibroids to begin with? And yeah. why are so many women suffering with PCOS and infertility to begin with? Like, it's not genetic. Like, or, you know, it could have some genetic component, but it's not like type 2 diabetes is said to be genetic and it's chronic and progressive. That's what people are learning. It's so frustrating because you might have some genes that might. That's why your body, when you process, when you're having trouble processing carbs, you might lean towards gaining weight. You might lean towards type 2 diabetes, but you're not getting type 2 diabetes because your genes changed since you were born and your mom didn't or your grandma didn't have it. <laughs> no. And it, yeah, we, we talk about that you've got the genes, maybe, but it's the environment and what you do that actually expresses that gene. How does it express itself? And and it follows in families, I think, because we eat like our parents ate and they eat like their parents ate. And that's what we learn. So it's just a learned response. You know, in our family, it was, you know, eat, eat, finish your dinner. You know, we all talk about I don't know where the whole world hears about starving children in Africa. (laughs) And and you, you sit there as a child thinking, how does me eating that help this child in Africa? Because it's not going to get there, but we still, we still all do the same thing and we keep eating, but it's, it's something that our parents taught us to do. And then we go on and teach our children, unless you're bright enough to say, I'm not going to feed my, I'm not going to make my children eat if they're not hungry. Um, I, one of my sons, when he was a baby, he would either eat loads or he'd go for ages without eating, but I never worried about it because he wasn't wasting away. I just thought, well, when he's hungry, he'll eat. And if he's not hungry, so what? I don't have to bribe him to eat. Good so, for you because a lot of yeah. parents get so concerned and they said, I have to eat three meals a day. If he's not eating and then they start you know, freaking out, like he's not eating, he has to eat. How am I going to get him to eat? And um, But I didn't know then what I know now because that would have been a whole different ball game. But there you go. Been, we can only do what we know. You can only do it. You know, I know there was someone sitting in the audience one year when Rob was talking, Rob Sivers was talking about ADHD and ADD and autism. And I know somebody, she got really upset because she got all this this guilt and she felt like there was blame and shame and that he would never do that. So it was just something she took on. Like, I didn't know any better. My son got autistic, was autistic and 
And she didn't know any better. She didn't know that sugar might be fueling that, that he didn't have healthy fats to develop his brain and have the right kind of energy. And um, there was too much sugar in families that had kids with ADHD and they were bouncing off the walls. They didn't have as much sugar. There would be less of that. And mood swings where um, sugar crashes and sugar spikes and sugar crashes and sugar. So there's mood swings of all day yeah. long of the sugar going up and sugar going down. And um, gosh, if more pediatricians and dietitians knew this, that they could help families these days, it yeah. would be so much. There was a woman who to- spoke last year and she actually went and there was a study done at a juvenile detention center. And they addressed some of the junk food that was in the detention center and then they took some of them and gave them a more higher quality protein source, less sugar, more vegetables, um, to see how their moods were. And there was a substantial difference in that. So yeah, children, um, in school and outside of school, boy, what a difference yeah. it could make. Yeah. So let's, um, we're going to go on to talk about how people can um, book the conference. But before we do that, because I noticed we're going long on time and you, you've got to go somewhere. So let's just get, dive into what does your food look like today compared to how you used to eat? Because you were trying to eat healthily at the, you know, before you found low carb. But how is it different now? So, um you know, it's funny because I'll often think, what did I eat before? And I describe some of the things I ate before, but even before that, what was I eating? And I couldn't understand. I could never understand, like, what was I eating? I ate a lot of packaged foods and lean cuisine. Um, I don't know if you have something probably like that over yeah, there. Yeah, we have lean cuisine, yeah. Frozen and um, lean protein, and it's usually a pasta or rice. But I try to focus more on protein um, these days. Um so Tro Kalajian has a thing where he talks about, what does he say? Keep it simple. And he says um, to his patients, um, meat, chicken, meat, poultry, fish, pork, eggs. Um, focus on that first. Add in some vegetables and, and keep it simple. And I usually try to keep it simple. Um, we used to kind of go into more of uh recipes and vegetables and um then we started like i've had some pain in the past issues and we started learning a little bit from george Ede and sally norton about oxalate toxicity um oxalates and plant phytonutrients or um, toxins that might be adding towards pain syndromes um yeah, the phytates. phytates. Phytates and lectins and i remember in paleo we used to hear about nightshades and couldn't understand why people were avoiding these nightshades and what were they? Um, eggplants and peppers and tomatoes. tomatoes. And, um, there was, there's a group of nightshades, there's a group that has lectins, there's a group that has oxalates. And some people might want to learn about those if they're still dealing with issues that uh, just the low carb, um, eating meat, chicken, pork fish, chicken, uh, vegetables, isn't getting rid of everything. Some people need to do that. Some people need to um, avoid dairy. I was listening to the podcast we did with 8 Fox yesterday about avoiding dairy. But we have not successfully gotten dairy out of our diet um, for any, any time, time frame yeah. at all. Um, yeah. And I don't know. So I don't know how if I might feel better in certain things if I ever did that. I haven't done it yet. Um, but we usually... Um, 
we've gone a little bit more carnivore and eaten a few less vegetables at times. Doug normal doesn't always eat the vegetables I cook, but I'll still cook. Um, like last night, I did a instant pot chicken legs with skin on bone in um, with uh, roasted cauliflower with cheese on it and a side of spinach, which I haven't had in ages because of oxalates and those. So I'm I've been keep thinking about I want spinach. So um, a lot of times our body tells us we want something, so give it to give it to it. <laughs> if it's not sugar and carbs, don't get into that crazy. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> um, I'll just um, put frozen spinach in the microwave and then mix in some Parmesan cheese and some olive oil. That's what we had for dinner last night. Um, Doug didn't eat the vegetables. He stays ma- a lot. He doesn't call himself a carnivore, but he really doesn't eat the vegetation. He calls it that I cook often. Yeah. Um, we used to, and we'll probably get back into it. Weather's getting a little bit nicer. Um, our schedules just got busy or we ran out of something that we normally cook on what Doug calls a braai. He's South African. So cooking over an open fire is a braai for South Africans or barbecue or barbie, wherever you're from grilling. <laughs> we usually do yep. steak and a South African sausage that we're able to get from a local, um, South African who makes it. It's called Border Wars. Um, it's a combination pork and beef sausage roll. It actually cook, comes in a coil, cook it on um, the grill. And then we'll have that left over for two or three days. We'll usually slice the steak up. And we don't mind eating the steak again cold or slightly heated up the next day. Um, and the Border Wars with the pork and a little bit more fat heats up a little bit. And sometimes I have vegetables and sometimes I don't. Um, cauliflower, spinach, um, sometimes broccoli. I haven't cooked it in a long time. And when the weather gets nice, sometimes I'll add a salad in the afternoon with my lunch. Um, I often stay pretty weight stable if I'm eating lunch and dinner. I don't normally eat breakfast. If I have been eating a little too much and it started putting on weight, the only way that I can ever lose it is to skip lunch. Um, And you don't normally do 24-hour fasts. But I'd probably be more successful if I did overnight fast and just, I like to eat dinner. So I don't yeah. normally do that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what we normally eat. Coffee with cream in the morning. I'll eat, um, we'll do fish sometimes for dinner. I'll often do fish or leftover steak or Doug. So Doug now cooks all, most of the meat. Um, roasts, roasts something. There's a, there's a lovely, uh, recommendation on our YouTube channel about a reverse searing roast. Slow cook, slow roasting it, um, 275 for a little bit and then finishing off in a hot pan with butter to sear it. Um, salted butter and that also goes as good as a gravy. It's delicious. Yeah, um, sounds good. So yeah. So, um, Louise calls Andrew the, the grill master. So when, um, at the moment, Andrew's in Bangkok still and oh. Louise is in Australia, but when they're together, um he does all the meats and she does all the salad stuff that goes with it so she calls him the grill master so it sounds like doug's the grill master in your house he has gotten to be the grill master um and does the roast and the burgers now um last chris after the virtual conference in 2020 which he we stressed out so it was so hard for us we did it just the two of us and it was so stressful we laughed because you would think the in-person ones the first one we did we were stressed, but nothing like putting on a virtual conference, the two of us from our home <laughs> that we just moved into and trying to make sure that nothing went wrong was 
incredibly stressful. So after that was finished, he ordered, he called it a Weber. It's an American girl. I think it's called a Weber. Most of us in America call it a Weber, but they learned in South Africa they always call it a Weber. So he called it a Weber. Charcoal grill. And it was back order because everybody was at home cooking and he didn't get it for like three months. So finally around Christmas time, 2020, got it. And, and then he really wanted to research how to do grilled meat. So I was fortunate and lucky enough to be the taste tester when he cooks beef ribs, pork ribs, pork belly, or any of those other, he's done the roast on there, um, slow cooked over the grill and they melt in your mouth. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, oh, lovely. So I was telling him we should do that soon. So, Pam, I know that you recently been really upset with the death of Adele Height, and I know she was really instrumental in the guidelines and the SMPH. Such a mouthful. Who came up S-M-H-P. with that? SMHP. <laughs> SMHP. <laughs> yeah, see, I always get it wrong. Society of Metabolic Health Practitioners. So do you want to talk a little bit about the work that Adele was doing? And and because I know you were working closely with her, weren't you? Yeah, I'd love to honor Adele and talk about that. Such a great loss to our community, such a pioneer in the space, along with Sarah Hallberg, um, who's spoken at a number of our conferences. They both had stage four cancer that they were dealing with for many years. Um, and some people... Oh, we'll talk about that they're going through that st- struggle and some people won't. We didn't know Sarah was going through it until the last year or two. And same with Adele. Um, until just a few months ago, um, people were telling us about it. She didn't like to talk about it so much. So it's been a shock and, um, her passing last month is just been really hard to deal with, but let, I'd love to honor her work and, um, her contribution and inspiration. Um, Gary Taubes actually introduced us to Del Height, um, come to find out she worked with Eric Westman in his office and they live in the same town in um, South Carolina, North Carolina, um, Durham, North Carolina. And she, her kids went to school together. So she got a job in his office, um, eventually um, working as front desk. And she started seeing the results that people were getting reducing carbs and under medical care. And Gary focuses a lot about dietary guidelines and what are the national recommendations that are outside healthcare. Those are what Adele will often say dietary guidelines are for healthy people, supposedly. Mm. Um, because we know that 88% of our population in the UK and I mean, the study was done in the US, but around the world, up to or over 88% of people are not metabolically healthy. They're metabolically unhealthy. They're not able to process and metabolize the amount of carbohydrates that are in the recommendations. They're overeating them. So then people will say they're not following the recommendations because they're overeating them. Dietary guidelines, and they recommend 7 to 11 servings of carbohydrates. I can't eat 7 to 11 servings of anything these days, mm. let alone yeah. rice, pasta, grains, sugar, or anything like that, and not overeat. So um, she used to differentiate between the dietary guidelines and clinical guidelines. So her focus became clinical guidelines. And um, Gary had said, talk to Adele, um, see what she wants to talk about. She's got some efforts that she wants to work on. And Doug will tell the story. She did the same thing that, like, Rob did and sent an email that was, like, a list of this long. And Doug was like, 
Um, let me see how I can help you with that. Doug has always said, we'll say, you know, let me see how I can help you with that. So in 2018, they started work on what started as, let's talk about standards of care and medical practices. Um, and they started talking about how she had this vision of clinical guidelines and an outline that could help physicians implement what they ended up deciding on being therapeutic carbohydrate reduction or restriction. They, they call it therapeutic carbohydrate restriction. And we often substitute that word with reduction so it doesn't freak people out. She was a registered mm-hmm. dietitian herself, but dietitians often will be like, ooh, the restriction word means something to some people like um, it's too much restriction and could lead to binging or oh, disorders, you know, eating. This course yeah. of feeling restricted on can't do something, so then they'll do more of it or something, you know, psychological like that. So yeah. we often say disorderly that. eating. Yes. Um, so they started in 2018 um, with Gary Childs and her on stage. We had already put it out to the community that we were doing this, and the professionals who were in the room were invited to stay. Everybody could stay, but it was kind of a break for some of the lay people. Um, and to get up to the mic and talk about what they were doing in their practices, how they felt about it, how the other colleagues and were feeling about it, how are the patients responding, whatever they wanted to talk about in the realm of being a clinic, in, a clinic, in a clinic, doing um, clinical practices and standard of care, and how was it beneficial, what kind of roadblocks were they running into. And they were going to start writing, Adele was going to start writing these clinical guidelines. Um, with that feedback. And then there were links for not only they had a, they formed a board of advisors, which is on it's the smhp.org, um, the Society of Metabolic Health Practitioners, a founding member, and I'm a volunteer who does just about everything on there, but I'm not an official board of, board of advisor or director because somebody in the same household can't also be. So Doug is the president. And then, um, Everybody who has to be on the board of directors is uh, has to be U.S. based since we're a U.S. non uh, nonprofit. But for the clinical guidelines, we have an international board of advisors. So the clinical guidelines originally, once it got written by Adele, took another after that feedback session to 2018, published it in May 2019. A phenomenal amount of work. She was finishing grad school, getting her doctorate. Um, and arguing her, um, thesis and working at the same time. She's just phenomenal that she was able to accomplish all this. Um, but it was originally clinical guidance were originally published May of 2019 on lowcarbusa.org. And then in May, uh, let's see, during the pandemic, I often say it was our pandemic baby. It took about nine months, March 2020 and was launched in December 2020. And the clinical guidelines moved over to um, be hosted on the Society of Metabolic Health Practitioners. Um, anybody who's a physician who's needing any guidance on implementing therapeutic carbohydrate production in their patient population can use these guidelines. It goes over the history of low-carb recommendations. It goes over what things to look out for. What It goes into the definition of what is a low-carb diet, so very low-carb, moderately low-carb um, and 
There's about four or five different categories of low carb there. And talks about medications, really important. Anybody who's listening, if you're on medications for diabetes, you need to know that your blood sugar is going to change quite quickly when you're eating a low carb, when you first transition to eat low carb diet. So it needs to be monitored by your healthcare professional. And if they don't understand lowering carbohydrates and what that's going to do your medication, it's actually laid out on the clinical guidelines. So anybody who's a patient, who wants to be a patient, who wants to print this out and bring it to their physician or their healthcare team or their diabetes educator, please do so. We would encourage you to do that so that um, anybody who says they don't understand it or they think it's dangerous because they don't understand ketones and what ketones um, are in, in relation to ketones as fuel versus ketoacidosis, which is a dangerous um biological uh, state that your body can be in during type 1 diabetes normally only. I haven't heard of it a lot. It could be maybe type 2. Uh, you're on uh, insulin probably. They're on, yeah, they're on insulin and they've got some other processes, dysfunctions going on. But um, yeah. So those are all on Society of Metabolic Health Practitioners. Uh, and Adele was a big inspiration for helping us start that. She started out on the committee and she kind of backed off and now we know why of working on some of the things and working on, on other things behind the scenes. So she had a big vision of going on and saying what we she called and what we started calling a specific disease state addendums to the clinical guidelines. So for type 2 diabetes specifically, so right now it's a general protocol for covering all of um, implementation of therapeutic carbohydrate reduction, but not specifically for the specific disease states. So she never got to, we never got to finish those with her. Um, but we're currently in the process of working with groups of people who have some knowledge about what her wishes were um, to create her legacy work. And with Sarah Hallberg, unfortunately, they were working on the type 2 diabetes stuff together. We had started um, one with a group of people um, around cancer, um, but it's a big undertaking and somebody has to be prepared to do the work and the kind of work that needs to be done. Some of it is authoring, writing it. Some of it's doing the research. Some of it's um, just like we did with the with the community um, and feedback is adding tidbits to something might be missing. Or, so we're in the process of trying to get some of that ball rolling and see where we can take it and get some. Yeah, that would be lovely to to leave something for her to have left something behind. And oh, she's just, she's left a big, big thing with the clinical guidelines that's going to change many, many lives. And it's just such a way to honor her. Um, and her work and her her life's work. And then if we could honor her legacy and continue some of the work she was doing with groups of people around the world, it would just be, I know she would really appreciate that. So um, there's a, if you knew Adele or she influenced your life, there's an article on smhp.org about her and her work. Um, there's a few videos interviewing her. She's amazing uh, sense of humor and smile and passion about what she was working on, so you could hear it in her words. And on the article, there's a way that you can leave a comment on if she's touched your life in any way. Continue to honor her, and we'll continue to grieve her loss as well as honoring her work. Yeah, yeah, she'll be um, definitely talked about at the com- upcoming conference and sing there. I have a picture 
last August she couldn't travel out, and I have a picture of us talking about the guidelines from behind the AV, uh, like controlled network, (laughs) the control booth at the back of the room, and it's got her picture on the screens as they're monitoring them, and then her picture up on the screens that the audience could see, and Doug talking, and so she was with us, and she'll be with us again, I'm sure it will be the same. Yeah, lovely. Really good. So is there anything we haven't spoken about that you would have liked to speak about? Quickly, um, well, something that we were talking about before we got on, um, I'd encourage everybody to go on our website uh, and look at the event page. I didn't get a chance to talk about everybody that we're um, going to be having this year. We're trying to diversify and reach more people and have more representat- representatives um, for communities um, of color specifically. Um, we've always had you know, all different walks of life come and attend. Somebody said, how come there's not more black people attending? It never dawned on me that people really actually want more representative and someone that they see themselves in to encourage them to come and attend. So we just thought we were open to everybody. Everybody should come. But um, it's been pointed out. So we've got some great representatives of Tony Hampton and Eddie Fox who are coming to speak and talk about differences in how different ethnic cultures respond to um, disease states and inputs and um, with food and they might be different than you and I um, with our ethnic background and how we respond to things so addressing that um, disparities in healthcare um, is is a big one but um, one other thing that we didn't talk about was exercise and I know we're gonna go meet offline because you've been trying to implement Dr. Ben's smart training, resistance training. So yep. food, we can we can change our food and try and encourage our um healing of things and insulin resistance, healing and getting more insulin sensitive. So we're, our body can hear the insulin's message that says, hey, this is what you should do with the blood glucose. Use it in your muscles. Use it um, and don't let it sit around. Don't store it as fat, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, Dr. Ben Bokikio, um, he'll be speaking again. He's um, become one of our favorite presenters because he does talk about something that we can do in addition to just changing our diet. Um, building muscle. Um, and anybody can do it at any level. So Jackie's learning and Doug and I are going to coach her a little bit. Um, Dr. Ben does some personal coaching, um, high-end coaching. But there's videos on our um, site that Jackie was uh, learning from and Dr. Ben's book, 15 Minutes to Fitness, is linked on our page if you... Um, yeah, I've got that, yeah. So resistance <laughs> training and building muscle, even if you're out of shape, he'll say, just get up and down out of a chair. Do a wall sit. Um, if you can't do a squats. Um, just so you don't have to go to the gym and be like a power lifter, you know. No, you just got to keep moving and just keep moving, move. Yeah. And the way he ex- wait, the way he describes it is move your muscles. So say I'm doing my bicep muscle and I'm doing a bicep thing. Move it slowly, slowly as much weight or resistance as you can do that you can move it, but not like you're going like this. So that's not gonna, be, you know. There's been a lot of three sets of fifteen, um, two or three times a week. Um, and he's learned over the years that if you just do it, sorry, I pulled the Pam's. So Pam <laughs> is, is doing the demo of moving her arms quickly and knocking all sorts of things off her desk. <laughs> the uh, headphones unplugged out of my mic. 
So, um, uh, slowly. So you're doing your leg muscles. You're doing the, one of the large muscle groups. So there's eight or nine large muscle groups that he'll address. And so say we're doing biceps and you want to do it slowly enough that you're doing it as hard as you can, but not too fast. And that you don't do it anymore. You can do it for 30 seconds at least, but you don't do it more than 90 seconds before you can't do anymore. Um, so that your body's actually burning the glycogen stores. And then the cortisol of, oh, I'm doing something really hard. And the release of all the glycogen stores where your muscles say, I have to start using fatty acids. And I'm, my body's going to start releasing more of that fat. So we're burning it out of our, um, around our muscles. We're pulling it out from around our organs. And we're pulling, hopefully pulling it from um, where we're storing it in our abdomen and our legs. And using that as fuel. So you're doing a couple of things. And then he'll, he also explains how um, some of the hormones that are released, human growth factor, and some of the hormones that are released that influence muscle growth, energy. So a lot of times when I would run or do other real cardio stuff, I would get really tired and hungry. That doesn't help on your weight loss journey. So you're already, so typically we would have been, what is that? Eat more, eat less, move more. Yep. So you're eating less fuel and you're trying to move more and you feel terrible because you're hungry and you're tired. <laughs> yeah. And your but body doesn't want to do that. Your, your body, body says, if, you, if you're going to eat less, I need to move less. Or if you're going to move more, I need to eat more. Yes. So with this, when you're actually stimulating some of those fatty acids as fuel that your body can use, I actually, after I'm done, I might be tired. My muscles will be really tired. But then I'm like, I want to go for a walk and kind of walk off. Um, and use that fat that I have floating around that I have for fuel. I'm not tired where I have to sit on the couch and, or take a nap or, you know, usually I do mine late afternoon and then I go to the grocery store, or I cook dinner, I go for a walk and then cook dinner or Doug's cooking dinner, which he's often doing a lot these days. I go for a walk and then I come back and I eat what he's cooked. Um, but it's energizing. It shouldn't be that you're just so tired that I'm just exercising, can't do anything else. So that's one great thing about him that and so i've been trying to get dr ben on the podcast but he's not very good with his emails and and i had a problem with my emails not getting through to him so that's yeah right. we've got to so try again i'm going to connect it's about it was so about a year ago that we were started emailing and then all of a sudden there was no email so i don't know if he didn't get my emails and yeah so we kind of went with that too you, i didn't get a couple of your emails and then yours came when i responded they came back in a weird time frame so i don't know what emails are doing but I'll connect you so that people can hear a little bit more from Dr. Ben. It's fascinating. He's become like Uncle Ben to us. He's been such a great mentor and teacher. So, um, yeah. Um, how can people get on to lowcarbusa.org? You can either scroll down the page and it'll see upcoming events and see San Diego at the end of August this year, 2022. Um, 25th to the 28th. 25th to the 28th. Thank you. I haven't scrolled back up to the top. We are right downtown San Diego, literally five minutes from the airport. Um, there's not a lot of travel. It's easy. There's a shuttle or a quick Uber ride. Um, we've got a group um, rate for the rooms. Um, we have dinners planned that are purchased separately, but they're all low carb. Like I was saying earlier, we've worked with the chef with good, so they have good oils, no process, no soil soybean oils and no sugar so he's using alternate sweeteners like stevia's olive oil, um 
olive oil, butter, nice fun things that you learn that, oh, he makes like a cheeseburger pie. Um, it's just hamburger and cheese and spices. And then there's a chicken pot pie one that he's made, uh, the pot pie part out of almond flour. But, um, if you're carnivore, you can get a big steak, um, that goes with any of the things on the buffet. There'll be like shrimps and salad if you, if anybody wanted that. And they'll even make slow carb desserts. So, mm. um, and we usually have a wine tasting around and the wine's included in the dinner. So we have wine tasting and networking with, um, in our expo area as people exhibiting resources and, um, tools and resources, tasty treats that we can all use in our lifestyle and for intense, immersive, uh, days of presentations, talks, and discussions. Everyone, every one of the presentations has a long, a long Q&A after. And even the presenters ask each other questions. Um, and everybody can watch this if they can't travel to San Diego. Please join us online. Um, if you can, get on live and you can participate and talk to each other and ask me to ask, get your questions in. You can do that. But the presenters ask each other questions and then they have discussions. We've had last year, we just had an amazing pioneer in the cardiology space come from Florida, Dr. Arthur Agatston. And he was highlighted during Dave Feldman's talk when he was talking about doing more research. So some people, you know, um, are concerned about what our cholesterol and our LDL does. And Dave Feldman's doing incredible research around that. If anybody wants to learn more, if, I don't know if you've had Dave Feldman on yet. No, not yet. We've had Siobhan Hagen, so. Yeah. Citizen Science Foundation, I believe is the name of their cholesterol code is his website, but, um, Arthur Agustin and Eric Westman and another doctor came up to the mic and was talking to Dave Feldman and they just had this incredible back and forth discussion about cholesterol and cardiology and what's happened over the years and recommendations. It was pretty astounding. We were all in the room going, I can't believe this is happening because <laughs> we've all known their work. So as you learn and. Um, learn from these great experts who've been doing this for years. Um, it helps us talk about it to other people. It helps us to learn more about our own health and what to look for. If we're going to, I don't know, Jackie, if you've been following your lab work or following, yeah. you know, recommendations to make sure we're doing the right thing. Cause that's what yeah, absolutely. What we yeah. want to do for ourselves and our families. Yeah. So we're going to include all the links in the show notes so people can just go to the show notes, whether they're on their apps or on the website and just click the, click through if they want to. But you, oh, you I really to- appreciate that. And um, we'd love to offer uh, all of your followers, anyone who's listening, a 20% discount on either the live stream or the in-person um, registration, which also includes dinner registration um and cme registration not the hotel room but 20 percent off of any of the ticket red, red, um, reservations 20 percent off if you use the code fabulous fabulously keto yeah and um, we'll put that in the show notes as well yes, yeah absolutely so um yeah as a thank you for everybody listening to my story our long story um and hopefully um inspire you a little bit to come and learn more and participate in the community and look for the tools and resources. Um, I think uh, you wanted to ask me how people can connect with us. There's a contact us through lowcarbusa.org or any of our, or smhp.org. So now we have two different organizations and eight different social media accounts that I monitor and manage most of. We have 
one part-time employee who help us, helps us with Twitter and um, Facebook and otherwise. So if you send us a direct message there, sometimes there's a little bit of delay because there's so many accounts. But um, mm-hmm. we always try to get back to everybody, our YouTube channel. And um, everything I think is low-carb USA on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn or yeah. the SMHP. Those. Brilliant. I'll put all those links in the show notes as well. So people can just click through if they want to. I really appreciate it. And um, I'm really honored and grateful for you having me on, Jackie, and being interest. Thanks for your interest in on our story and our work. Yeah, it's really good. It's become so, such a passion of ours that we can help more people. So. I know we've been chatting for ages, but can you leave us with three top tips? Yeah. So, um, what is the things, couple things I covered? Keep it simple. It's the one thing that I like to do. Um, sometimes I like to do a recipe, you know, that's a little bit more, um, has a little bit more ingredients. And, you know, some of my favorites are Christy Sullivan. I mentioned her, um, her cookbooks. They've got pretty extensive recipes often. So, um, you know, cakes and casseroles and, you know, but she has one that's for busy people. Maria Emmerich has some stuff that's, um, all different recipes and stuff, but, for me, I always think keep it simple. Meat and vegetables, um, an easy fruit and whipped cream kind of dessert or treat or snack. Don't overdo the snacks will be my second. Um, yep. um, watch the keto foods that are on the shelves. They don't always have good ingredients. They always yeah. often say there are too many carbs. I've been actually getting something that I've been eating like a half a bar. There was someone who... Um, exhibited at our conference and i don't know if they changed it but all of a sudden it seems like there's more carbs than i thought there were so watch your carb count and your ingredients um try to focus on protein first if you need to if you're not having success and you've come to a place where your weight's kind of stabilized your body may be pretty happy there um kind of adjust your intermittent fasting like i was saying sometimes i have to skip meals um you can feast a little bit and then Famine. I know people talk about that, especially yeah. for women and not stressing your thyroids. Um, but um, kind of adjusting, but and lower your fat if you have to. Don't be thinking that you have to have a lot of fat. That would be my third recommendation. Don't think you have to have a lot of fat. Um, keto is high fat. It doesn't have to be. You can start lowering it and see how your body does. Um, you may be just over. Energy. You might just be still having an excess energy um, intake where your body can't actually burn it off. So yeah, try doing uh, leaner meats. I know um, there's a lot of people talking about like Maria Emmerich and um, Ted Naiman. Ted Naiman. Diet doctors even got a lot of it on there. Um, protein modified. Was protein sparing modified. Sparing modified fast. Yeah, that's another one of those acronyms that they can never say right. Uh, focus on your protein. It can be lean protein on a few days. Rob Simons has been talking about it. Um, he may have talked about it when, but he might not have been doing it yet. He's gone over some things where he's seen with his patients. Some of his lab results are also not only are patients maybe not losing weight, but he's seen some of the labs changing where their liver is getting a little stressed or so lowering the fat for a few days. He'll kind of do like three days on, four days at the height. Three days is what he's recommending a lower fat. Um, real low fat, but keeping your protein and then going more to the high fat yeah. and alternating. And he's seen those lab results kind of 
some of the inflammation markers, some of the A1C and that liver markers. He was seeing some changes, uh, triglycerides. So he, doing that, they normalize over the time. So he's still investigating what that is and what that means. Um, but he's seen some changes when he's recommending to himself and his patients lowering fat. Yeah. And that, that's where I am at the moment because I've been at this weight for about two years and nothing seems to shift it. If I fast, it, it goes down, but as soon as I start eating again, it goes back, back up on. again. I kind of so go like that too. I've, I've, I've got to cut the fat, I think, increase the protein, cut the fat. Now, I think I eat plenty of protein, but cut the fat and that's, and I'm sad, but I'm doing it. <laughs> it's like when him and uh, Maria or anybody's talking about, you know, eating, going back to eating just egg whites kind of thing. But, but um, you can flavor them. Um, I know that with the yolks, it tastes so much better, but and I never want to waste the yolks. I'm like, what am I going to do with the yolks? Make something and freeze it or you don't want to just throw it away, right? Mm. I know there's some egg yolk ice cream that you can make um, that freezes and then you can save it for your higher fat days. Yeah. Now that goes. Brilliant. Pam, thank you so much for joining me today. We've spent eight, an hour and 45 minutes we've been chatting. So thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks everybody else for their time. I'm sorry if I'm going, it seems like I'm going on and on. There's so many things that I'd love to share about the work that other people are doing in this space mostly. But um, thank you for listening to my story and our story. Hopefully it can help somebody else out there. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Pam, for sharing your story and letting us know some of the great speakers at Low Carb USA this summer. And we seem to be having a run of episodes where Pam's story um, is the theme. So Pam is another example of healthy living, exercising, doing what the guidelines have told us and then finding that it's not working. So it seems they seem to be coming, these stories seem to be coming together all at the same time recently. And I love that Pam shared six top tips. We asked for three and she gave us six, um, which were all great top tips. So they are in the show notes. And I think it's great that each year Low Carb USA has more and more speakers and is reaching a wider audience. And now we all have the opportunity to listen or watch via the online streaming but it's a signal of how the word is getting out it is reaching medical professionals through these channels that will increase the number of doctors nurses and other healthcare professionals to offer low carb as an option for their patients and we've seen it here in the UK with the public health collaboration and how Dr. Un David Unwin is influencing many other doctors and GPs um, to, to, to take up the mantle in a way and start using this with their patients and start de-prescribing rather than prescribing. I've bought my ticket for Low Carb USA. So if you want to get yours, it's lowcarbusa.org. There is a link in the show notes that will take you straight to it. Use the promo code FABULOUSLYKETO. Um, I don't know if you need a capital F and the capital K, but try it um, to get a 20% discount. There's loads of resources that Pam mentioned in the show notes. And the show notes can be found at um, fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash 
It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto 1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication. <laughs>